The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Market Talk here today as we broadcast live at the 2023 Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Thanks so much for joining us, making us part of your day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to be here, as always, as we talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America. On Wednesday, we saw the release of the March WASDE report, the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates. And overall, those numbers came in pretty much as expected. We did see a bit of a deeper cut than expected for Argentine corn soy production from USDA. We saw some changes to U.S. corn ending stocks as well. So a few different things for us to take a look at here on today's show. We're going to be talking about it coming up here with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. He will join us here in segment two and three to discuss what he is seeing in the market trade here today. So looking forward to getting his thoughts on what uh, we had with the March numbers and more. Also coming up here on the show today, we'll take a look at some of the news headlines as we gear up for a busy couple of days here during Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Thursday and Friday, we'll be broadcasting live on the showroom floor with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, Booth 1603. Looking forward to talking with them coming up here this week during Commodity Classic. Well, let's dive in and get a little bit of analysis here to kick off the show. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, we talked to him for our midday commentary about a half hour after the report was released. Got his thoughts on some of the numbers USDA threw our way in the March report. We talked about some of what is going on with Wall Street and more. Here's Arlen Suderman of StoneX. Yeah, uh, as we look at the report, we expect the Argentine numbers to be the big ones, and they were with the corn crop shrinking by 7 million metric tons to 40 million metric tons, soybeans coming down by 8 million metric tons to 33 million metric tons. Both of those were a little bit below our estimates and quite a bit below the trade estimates. No changes to Brazil's production estimates. As you indicated, U.S. corn exports cut by 75 million bushels. I think that's a little too aggressive right now, but I do think that after we get the quarterly stocks report on March 31, that an April crop report is going to see an increase in feed usage. So that's something I'm expecting to offset some. With exporting less corn, I think it's going to show that we're catching up on feed usage a little bit there. Uh, the other numbers on soybeans uh, exports increased by 25 million, crush cut by 10 million, so ending stocks going down by 15. Overall, this report, in putting in the context of a market that's 
mainly trading headlines off of Wall Street with the focus on the Federal Reserve this week. When you look at the response to the market, the headline-driven algos gave you initial response, and then within a matter of minutes, we were back to basically trading where we were before the report came out, meaning that even though the Argentine numbers came out below expectations, everything was pretty much what the market expected, and um, the whisper numbers, so to speak, and we're back to trading those Wall Street headlines again with a strong dollar at three-month highs. And speaking of those Wall Street headlines, I know Fed Chair Powell speaking in front of the House Committee today. Any more updates just to what he has said here in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours and how that's impacting Wall Street and the broader commodity trade, Arlen? You know, I think the biggest thing is, of course, yesterday is testimony before the House Senate Banking Committee um, saying that uh, the data suggesting we'll probably, we may have to go up at a faster clip, increasing rates and for higher than what they first anticipated. Today, he's saying we haven't made any decisions yet for the next meeting. There's still a lot of data to come out between now and then, but the data so far including some other data released this morning, is indicating more of an odds of maybe a 50 basis point rate hike instead of the 25 that they did at the last meeting. Um, So that's been supporting the dollar. We're seeing yields on two-year treasuries probing above 5% today for the first time since 2007. Um, So with a strong dollar, that's creating some headwinds for the commodity sector. Soybeans trying to go against that with that short Argentine crop. Arlen, as well, real quick, protein sector feels like a fairly muted response to uh, any of the WASDE numbers with just kind of mixed activity, hogs up a little bit, cattle a little more mixed. Any thoughts there today? Yeah, the only real movement as a result of the crop report was feeder cattle going higher as corn prices went lower based on the lower exports. That's going to provide more corn to be fed here in the United States, and so therefore feeder cattle going higher. Fat cattle fill in the pinch of maybe some um, steady to maybe a little bit weaker product prices, maybe some slower chain speeds coming in the days ahead. Um, and, and lean hogs right now consolidating upwards today after recent weakness. And once again, that is comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. He joined us around midday on Wednesday after the release of the March World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report. We thank him for joining us and giving us his thoughts uh, on the market trade, as always. Those WASDE numbers again, we saw those changes uh, to the Argentine numbers. We saw the U.S. Uh, corn ending stocks balance sheets changed as well. Crush uh, was cut 10 million bushels. U.S. soybean exports were boosted 25 million bushels uh, with those cord exports cut by 75 million bushels. So a few different changes overall, though the market really just reacted fairly quietly to uh, what we saw. A little bit of mixed activity, corn under some pressure, beans fairly quiet, wheat markets were under a little bit of pressure on the day. No change to the Brazilian numbers as they're getting ready to continue to harvest that big soybean crop there. I shouldn't say getting ready, they already are harvesting that big uh, soybean crop and looking to plant that safrina crop here as well continue to do so so definitely a lot to uh, just take in with this market some of the broader economic issues we're going to talk about all that coming up here with mike zuzalo of global commodity analytics in just a little bit want to take a look as well i know an issue we're going to be talking about here this week with the national corn growers association is the mexico gmo corn ban a bipartisan coalition of missouri lawmakers is one of many efforts uh, pushing the Biden administration to respond to mexico's decree banning biotech corn imports representative mark alford a missouri republican last 
last week led a bipartisan effort demanding the U.S. Trade Representative's Office initiate a dispute resolution panel under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. We led a bipartisan effort last Friday with our Missouri delegation colleagues to demand that the Biden administration convene a formal dispute settlement panel under the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement to really prevent, I think, what's a destructive American biotech corn ban. It is going to do nothing but create uncertainty in our markets, and it's not going to do any good for our relations with Mexico either. Now, on Monday, USTR announced the launch of technical consultations with Mexico on the issue, a formal step towards a dispute panel under USMCA. It gets us to the table, and that's all we want right now. We want to be able to open the dialogue with Mexico to try to bring some common sense to this issue. And Mexico needs our product. Look, they cannot meet the demand in Mexico with just the products that they grow. And we don't know if they came out with this ban originally just to try to increase their markets and to some degree profit for their growers. But we know that this is kind of a a two-way street here. They need our corn. We need their markets. Let's be reasonable, rational and have realistic goals for both countries. And Alford is a new member in the House of Representatives and serves on the House Agriculture Committee. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk markets, recap the March WASDE report. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joins us after the break. Back with more Market Talk right after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here as we broadcast live at the 2023 Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. He joins us from his office in the great state of Kansas to dissect the March WASDE report and more. We welcome in our good friend Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics to Market Talk today. Mike, always great to catch up with you and uh, man, no shortage of uh, no shortage of things to talk about today, I suppose. <laughs> what do you think, buddy? Oh, man. I think we're both getting uh, more wanting of shortage of things to talk about. I, I think producers are that way as well. I spent the day with a lot of producers yesterday at a, at a University of Illinois, what we call the Beef House Conference uh, that's put on by University of Illinois Extension and Farm Doc and uh, about three, three and a half, 350 people there. And, uh, I, you know, the, the word of the day essentially was give me a break. You know, when can I just get back to the simple days of supply and demand. And I think that was, like you say, Jesse, the hallmark of Wednesday's price action. We barely got the numbers out. And then there was a brand new hit on the news wires that the United Nations and Russia were going to meet next week in Geneva over this grain deal, over the Black Sea Grain Initiative, trying to get that extended. The Ukrainians and the UN want it. Russia says no way so far. Um, and, and so as soon as that came across, it seemed as though the numbers meant very little. And all of a sudden we saw the wheat make new lows and take out some of the recent lows in soft red wheat. Hard red held on. Um, but I think it just illustrates what you're getting at. It, it's really about the sentiment and the momentum in these markets. And a lot of that goes back to the outside markets and the risk off mindset. The Federal Reserve chairman telling Congress that he could not only quicken the pace, but increase the amount of interest rate hikes again if he doesn't get what he wants. And this is just creating continued uh, mindset and sentiment in the commodities of a risk off mindset and just keeping money on the sidelines. And in that respect, the supply demand fundamentals are very hard to work through and explain to clients and subscribers. 
Well, we'll do our best to look at some of those supply and demand fundamentals. And I, I love how you set all that up because I couldn't agree more with you. But let's talk the WASD numbers. We have them. We should discuss them. I'll pull up the chart on the video feed as well for folks to look at if you're watching on YouTube. Key changes, the Argentine numbers, we knew they were going to change. They came in a little bit deeper, I think, than expected. Some of the corn numbers with exports and ending stocks uh, a little bit different than expected. Overall, can you walk through some of the key changes we saw in the March report, Mike? Yeah, I think the biggest change was was on the demand side. We did lose, you know, 75 million bushels of exports in U.S. corn. We gained 25 million bushels in soybeans, which really surprised me, um, given the fact that we are still down versus the year in the uh, year-to-date export inspections, Jesse. But USDA sees a, a better look to this market um, in terms of soybean exports. And so I would say the U.S. numbers, other than the wheat number coming in, unchanged. The U.S. number probably favored the soybeans, and I think the trade took that pretty much at face value. I, I think as far as the world numbers go, what the trade did not take at face value, they did initially, but then as I said, the Black Sea Grain Initiative issue got in the way was if you notice one of those two green lines on the world numbers, world wheat ending stocks of 267.2 million tons below the lowest trade guess by quite a bit. And I think that was a real wake up call to all the spreaders out there who had been buying uh, corn and selling wheat. And I think on a percentage basis, that's probably why the corn lost the most along with those U.S. Uh, numbers in that loss of export demand. Overall, to me, it felt like, as we've alluded to here already, that it just the trade took it and then just moved on here. So I, I wonder if maybe our attention is going to already have to turn to the end of the month report here with with acreage and, and whatnot, Mike. Yeah, you know, the, the interesting you bring that up because what I saw in the report and the market reaction was the USDA cut, and you mentioned this a minute ago, 15% on Argentine corn production, 20% on Argentine soybean production. And so now we're at a situation where the Argentine soybean production, and if you add that into the Brazilian production, Argentina is now only a little over 20, 21% of both countries' production number. So every percentage cut in beans means less because in terms of corn production, Argentina is now at 32% of both Brazil and Argentine corn production. And so that big cut in corn production, not even registered with the trade hardly at all today. Um, and, and I think that really goes back to the fact that the trade A is focused on soybeans and the demand and the meal market especially. But I think even more importantly is the beans have probably hit again that ceiling that they are going to have difficulty going higher without the corn and the wheat turning their trends back up, at least putting in a market low. And I think this chart right here with the Argentine soybean production numbers, if you if I you know kind of dig into this a little bit, I look at the green line especially, that's going to be your exports coming out of Argentina. Notice that our production uh, is, is even lower than 2017, 2018. I want to say we're now at a 14-year low in Argentine soybean production. And I think that helped keep the bull fed a little bit 
But those export numbers, USDA still got about a 3 million export number for Argentina on soybeans, Jesse. I really don't think it'll even be that. And I think Argentina is going to have to be a net importer when it's all said and done. But here again, I'll just stress again that the trade could not really deal with that, trade that, couldn't trade the bullish crush number. Why? Because the corn and the wheat were going deep into red. And I think that's the key going into the end of the month report. And whether, as we know, USDA uses the bean corn ratio in the March 31st report frequently when they assess what the acreage base is going to be. Your November beans divided by December corn right now are at 2.45, 2.44. That's going to be the highest since October of 2021. So you're not buying bean acres right or buying corn acres right now. You're really securing more bean acres. And I think that's uh, really disappointing, especially to the group of people that I talked to, the farmers I talked to in the central corn belt yesterday. Well, I know as well, you shared another chart with me, the world stocks uh, to use ratios. I'll just pull this up, let you hit some uh, high points here as well, real quick, just to kind of continue on this discussion. Uh, I just think there's a lot of different uh, data points that are, are really starting to come together here, Mike, when we when we look at this market trade overall. Yeah, and I think this chart I designed for you and, and your show today, just because I wanted to show the trade how I feel in terms of actual hard numbers and raw data that we're really not trading supply demand fundamentals from the report at this point, because the middle column is the key column to look at. That's what we just received today from a world stocks to use level from USDA and wheat came in at 33.7. It's below both last month and it's well below last year. And the same with the corn, we're trading right at last month's level as well as last year's level. And then you look at the soybeans, the soybeans, as I said a minute ago, probably did get the bull fed a little bit by going down below 27% stocks to use ratio as it was 27.1 last month. That, that 100 million metric ton ending stocks number, I think, was very needed to keep the support in this market because now we can start talking about sub 100 million metric ton ending stocks. But you see these numbers that it should have been a situation in my book anyway, Jesse, where the wheat let us out of the hole because the trade was not expecting a decline in ending stocks to the tune that we got today. And we've pressured this market a couple dollars at this point. So where was that short covering coming in off of a bullish report? Well, once again, we are having a conversation today with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. We're going to continue that conversation coming up here after the break. We'll dive into the livestock trade some more. We'll also talk about uh, the financial markets and how that's playing a role here with the comments this week from Fed Chair Jerome Powell. So we'll get to all that coming up here in just a little bit. A few of the closing numbers on the day. Wednesday, corn for May down eight and three quarters, 625 and a half. December new crop down nine, 558. Soybeans, May, two a quarter higher 1570 to three quarters november down to 1371 and a half soybean meal for may down two ten a ton 485.70 may beat oil up 42 points 5908 may chicago wheat ten and a half lower 687 and a half july down nine and a half at 697 kansas city wheat may up one eight and a quarter july down two and a quarter 791 may spring wheat down 14 and a quarter 838 and a half july 13 at three quarters lower 836 and three quarters in the livestock trade Live cattle April down 52, 165.45. June up 10, 160.65. August up 7, 160.17. March feeder cattle up 162, 193.75. April up 140, 207. 
Hogs for April up 95, 85, 75. May Hogs up 22, 93, 17. All right, coming up, we'll continue our conversation with Mike Zuzlo of Global Commodity Analytics as we broadcast Market Talk Live from the 2023 Commodity Classic at Orlando, Florida. Back with more on the way right after the break. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we are having a conversation today with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics joining us here as we are broadcasting from the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. And Mike, uh, I, I want to pivot a little bit to Fed Chair Jerome Powell, just the comments we've got from him this week and how this is factoring in, because I know you mentioned it a couple times, how it just doesn't feel like this market's trading supply demand fundamentals. We're getting these comments from the Fed chair in front of the Senate Banking Committee, the House Committee on Wednesday. What What are your thoughts with what you are hearing from him and how this plays into everything we're talking about right now? I, I feel like what I've seen and heard so far is that the Fed is trying to control a, a tornado right now and that they're trying to put a rope around a tornado. And it, it's almost getting to the point where I think they're mindset and how they convey their message is not forward guidance, it's exasperation. And I think that does nothing but create more opportunities for rallies in the stock market, rallies in the commodity markets to be sold off. And if you dovetail that, Jesse, with the daily worsening of conditions between the United States and China and the rhetoric that we're hearing from both parties right now, the the foreign minister, for instance, a couple nights ago, having their big Communist Party uh, update and talking about if the United States keeps going down this path in, in Ukraine, there will be a war, there will be a conflict. These are the things of the trade they are not going to deal with and they're going to jump out. They're going to preserve equity and they're not going to tolerate margin calls because they're not going to really have conviction in their mm -hmm. in their bias. And that's really goes back to what we've talked about so far is that even if you believe the supply demand fundamentals, even if USDA has wheat average cash price for this current crop, uh, $2 above where it's being traded in terms of the cash market in Illinois and Indiana. It's eight fifty for a USDA average cash price. We're so far away from that. We can't even know if it's really real. And it goes back to these outside market fundamentals and the Fed's not helping the situation. And I think they'll continue to be a, a situation where, as I said, they'll continue, the trade will continue to sell rallies as long as we keep this kind of rhetoric up by the Federal Reserve. What is the mindset of 
the average farmer rancher you just mentioned you were at uh, an event here yesterday in the heartland and you know they hear about all of this stuff with inflation they're seeing the price of their inputs continue to rise you know we're, we're looking at all these different factors in the trade and just the volatility we've seen what what is the general mindset that you are hearing from from farmers and ranchers in the heartland mike yeah this is a really critical situation because they know their profitability is not going to be as good as last year even with lower fertilizer prices because of all these other input and, and and especially cash rent prices that have just skyrocketed. And I was shocked by the University of Illinois budgets that they showed. Uh, these were as of about a month ago, but you know, it takes about $5.25 to break even on good ground in central Illinois if you include a $350 roughly dollar rent payment, uh, mm -hmm. whereas it's 12 and a quarter on soybeans. And so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what I heard yesterday from producers, if they've got an 80 or a 160, that they're not sure where it's going to go. It's getting to be more and more of a no brainer to go ahead and do it into beans because you're right at break even right now on new crop uh, corn sales. If you would make a corn sale in central Illinois, you probably couldn't get much more than five and a quarter, whereas you could get a dollar better than that and even more in some areas of Indiana and Illinois if you're near a processor. Well, great things to consider. And I, I think just overall to dovetail our grain discussion before we move to livestock is it comes back to risk management. It comes back to sharpening that pencil. It, it comes back to managing your your operation and, and what works for you and using the available tools, the available analysis at, at your fingertips to try and make an informed decision, Mike. It is. And I'll tell you this, Jesse, and this is really um information I usually share with clients and subscribers only, but I talked to about a half a dozen clients and subscribers that I had at that, at that meeting. And I said to them, you know, with the way this market's stacking up with the wheat, not finding a low with the fact that the beans are continuing to keep this kind of a premium, all these things you and I've talked about today. And then you throw on top of that, the U S China relations, something's going to have to give in the bean market. If the wheat and the corn don't bottom. And I said to him, don't be surprised if you get a text message blast that says sell 100% of your 23 beans in a variety of ways, some with cash, some with paper positions, because I'm really starting to get to that point. Um, just because we can't seem to trade those supply demand fundamentals. It seems like something very big is, is, is in, in the works right now. I don't want to get it caught with a 50 or 60 cent lower November bean price, go through the $13 level and then freeze up everybody, kind of like what's happened in the corn market. We can't tolerate both row crops going lower right now because think of it this way. What would happen if we saw that kind of a price action right when we were getting into the tractor cab to put new crop seed in the ground? How would we feel after seeing the record high prices in some cases last year and then having to go through that this year? I'm just not going to tolerate that in terms of the psychology of this market for my clients. Great stuff. Let's talk livestock. Let's move over there. Um, really a, a pretty solid day Wednesday in the livestock trade, especially the feeder cattle market. I know uh, taking, uh, uh, taking a cue from lower corn. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. I'll pull up on the video feed, the April live cattle uh, chart. Walk us through what you're seeing here and, and just some uh, general update on this cattle market trade right now, Mike. 
Yeah, great way to frame it because I am giving an update here. We talked about getting some April puts bought, and and that was a couple three weeks ago. And those puts I got around a buck forty, buck fifty. Those puts closed today at about a dollar. And so what we're looking at is a slight erosion in those puts, but they're really hanging in there nicely because what we see over the last couple three weeks is that one sixty five, one sixty six level is really tough to get above, and that goes right back to the cash market and the fact that the Packers are really not one to press this side of, uh, of, of 166 plus, it's not because they aren't making money at that level. I, I continue to wonder whether they're current enough or whether they're substituting and compensating for more hogs and slaughtering more pigs just so that they don't have to pay any more than a 165. I, I think that's going to continue. We'll see how they act if this blizzard comes through in the plain states. But I guess to wrap it all up is that the fat cattle have almost started to go more of a sideways mindset. It's been more about the feeder cattle and them playing catch up with the fats. I like those puts, especially since they've come down at about a dollar. And I believe those are the 164s for the April. I just think they're great risk management at this point in case something really bad happens in the stock market. Because I just looked up a correlation chart between the stock market and the cattle market. And that correlation is getting more and more and more negative with one another. So the, what we've talked about is starting to show up in the charts that the equities markets is really starting to impact the funds and the traders mindset about beef consumption especially i should ask hogs as well uh, as it's top of mind here before we run out of time today that front month april contract has uh, really uh, kind of taken off out of tear the last couple of days here any update with what you're seeing there mike yeah, I think this is short covering. I think it is weather related because of the Northern Plains, Minnesota, and Iowa are really getting the brunt of these systems lately. But I mm -hmm. would also say you've got a $6 plus premium in April hogs versus the cash index. So be very careful about being along in this market and don't overstay your welcome to get your marketings made in terms of cash marketings. I know that's kind of an old time thing to say, Jesse, because everything's done on, on a price grid or already can contracted into the uh, hog contracts already on a cash basis. But I think we need to stay current and stay very fresh in these markets. I, I would also say the back end has lost some money this week. I mm -hmm. think that's due to the Chinese situation. I think some people have probably pulled off some of their longs in the summer because they don't see the excitement as, the, as maybe they thought we would see because of these tensions that are starting to brew. I think that's a very wise thought there to consider. Mike, before we run out of time, we covered a lot. Any final thoughts you want to share with us today? Just continue to think about, you know, working in a, in a basis with us to pick up a free trial with us. Uh, I think you would find a, a very a good amount of information that could be very useful for your operation. So go to, go to globalcomresearch.com and check that out and get a free trial. Globalcomresearch.com is where you can find Mike Zuzalo. We appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us this week, sir. We'll talk to you next week. I hope you get poolside soon there, Jesse. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. <laughs> always appreciate the time. Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics joining us here today on Market Talk. And again, uh, final numbers on the day. We talked about how the trade was. We saw a cord for May down eight and three quarters, 625 and a half. December cord, nine lower, 558 on Wednesday. Soybeans for May were two and a quarter higher, 1517 at three quarters with uh, new crop November soybeans on the day. 
down to 1371 and a half. Soybean meal for May, that was down to 10 a ton, 4570. May bean oil up 42 points, 5908. May Chicago wheat, 10 and a half lower, 687 and a half. July down nine and a half at 697. Kansas City wheat may up one at eight and a quarter. July was down two and a quarter at 791. Spring wheat may 14 and a quarter lower, 838 and a half. July down 13 to three quarters, 836 and three quarters. Livestock and live cattle April down 52, 165.45. June up 10, 160.65. August up 7, 160.17. Feeder cattle March up 162, 193.75. April feeders up 140, 207. April hogs up 95, 85.75. May hogs up 22, 93.17. And June up 20 at 127 on the day on Wednesday. We saw as well the uh, energies, for the most part, crude oil down about 1% on the day. The financial markets, Dow was under a bit of pressure. The dollar up a little bit as well. Cotton market on the day on Wednesday was down 15 points in March, 82.74. May cotton down 15 points at 82.62. Again, overall, fairly mixed trading day seen on Wednesday after the release of the March WASDE report. All right, coming up next before we wrap things up here in Orlando, going to take a look at a few of the news headlines in agriculture here on the show today. We will be back with more from the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, here on Market Talk. We'll be right back after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today as we are live at the 2023 Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Looking forward to a uh, very busy week here. The trade show kicking off Thursday and going Friday and then Saturday morning as well. And uh, Thursday and Friday afternoon, looking forward to broadcasting live with the National Corn Growers Association. We will be on the floor of Commodity Classic on the trade show floor. And this is going to be really, really fun. And uh, hopefully you could stop by from 3 to 4 Eastern is when we will be broadcasting the show live booth 1603. That is 1603 on the trade show floor with the National Corn Growers Association. We're going to be talking all things corn. We're also going to be catching up uh, on the markets too. Quite a few folks who we have on the show regularly are here in attendance at the show. I know Thursday. I'm going to have a, a special uh, panels of sorts uh, on the show. Ted Seifert of Zader Ag Hedge, Matt Bennett, agmarket.net. They're going to join me uh, on Thursday's show to discuss the market trade. I know Friday we'll have Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing as well. So definitely looking forward to a busy couple of days here in Orlando, Florida for the 2023 Commodity Classic. There'll be a lot of news that is made here during the Commodity Classic as well that we'll be sharing over the next couple of weeks. But in other news headlines here today, the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer that dropped five points to 125 in February. Farmers' perspectives regarding both current conditions on their farms and their expectations for the future also weakened during the month. The index of current conditions dipped two points to 134, and the index of future expectations declined six points to 121. 
Now, several factors are weighing on producers' minds, including the risk of falling commodity prices, rising interest rates, and uncertainty over the future growth of agricultural exports. The Farm Financial Performance Index dropped seven points to a reading of 86. Despite strong farm income, the February reading of the Farm Capital Investment Index didn't change much, rising one point to a reading of 43. Now, this month, 72% of producers said it's a bad time to make large investments in their farming operation, while just 15% said it's the right time to make those investments. Well, the U.S. House will likely pass a joint House-Senate resolution to repeal the Biden EPA's controversial Waters of the U.S. rule, and one senator says Republicans may have the votes to pass it in the Senate. The Biden WOTUS rule could be dead soon after a House GOP majority likely passes a joint resolution of disapproval under the Congressional Review Act, followed by a Senate vote. Iowa Republican Senator Chuck Grassley says an identical measure sponsored by 49 Senate Republicans may pick up the needed two Democratic votes. Manchin's already on board to do it, and Tester's a farmer. He knows how this affects farming. I don't know how it affects Montana, probably a smaller percentage, but Tester knows how it affects farming when they, you got to deal with the uh, U.S. government on, on farming regulations. Now, farm building and other groups argue the Biden WOTUS rule reversing one by Trump will lead to more confusion, costs and fines, even as the Supreme Court decides what's a water of the U.S. Separately, attorneys general from Iowa and Nebraska are threatening to sue EPA for failing to meet a statutory deadline to respond to their request to allow summertime E-15 sales and Grassley on the strength of that case. I think it's very, very strong. And Biden is flip-flopping on his position. And he should be held accountable. And so you just uh, take every avenue you can. And I applaud the attorney generals for doing that. The AG's ethanol and farm groups argue if EPA had acted on time, it could have approved E15 for sale this summer instead of in 2024, raising suspicions that the delay was politically motivated. So another story we're going to continue to watch as well. A new simplified direct loan application now available for all producers seeking a direct farm loan from the Farm Service Agency. The new application went from 29 to 13 pages to provide an improved customer experience for producers applying for loans and enables them to complete a more streamlined application. Producers also have the option to complete an electronic fillable form or prepare a traditional paper application for submission to their local FSA farm loan office. Now, coupled with the loan assistance tool released in October, of 2022, a simplified application will provide all loan applicants access to information regarding the application process and assist them with gathering the correct documents before they begin the process. This will help farmers and ranchers submit complete applications and reduce the number of incomplete, rejected, or withdrawn applications. Producers can explore all available options on all FSA loans at fsa.usda.gov or contact their local service center. Well, reference prices that trigger PLC and ARC County payments to producers need updating. That's according to the American Farm Bureau, and that will require a bigger farm bill funding baseline. Reference prices at $370 for corn, $840 for soybeans, and $550 for wheat are simply too low to benefit farmers, especially when soaring input costs squeeze margins. General Farm Commodities Chair Austin Scott of Georgia brought up reference prices at a recent House Farm Bill hearing. It seems to me that they weren't set when diesel prices were as high as they are and fertilizer as high as it is. Could you speak to the need to increase the reference prices to, to reduce the risk to those that are actually out there planting the crops? 
American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval prefaced his answer by stressing AFB's reluctance to ask for more money. We're looked at as a very conservative organization. Our voting delegates in, in Puerto Rico at our annual convention this year debated heavily whether or not to ask y'all to broaden the baseline. But logic prevailed. And of course they came down to say, yes, it's time to broaden the baseline because those targets that we use uh, in the, uh, the, the commodity programs and the cost that we have to go to, to growing a crop is nowhere near what it was when those targets were set. And it needs to be modernized and it needs to be a true safety net based on the cost of production today. Now, Ag Democrats claim the same baseline could still accommodate a farm bill where 82% of funding goes to food stamps. Ag Republicans argue nutrition is squeezing farm program spending and the farm bill budget pie must get bigger. And that is a look at news headlines here today on Market Talk, and we are out of time. Again, reminder, Thursday, Friday here at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, we'll be broadcasting live with the National Corn Growers Association on the trade show floor booth 1603. You can find us there from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, again, with the National Corn Growers Association booth 1603. Looking forward to it. That's going to do it for Market Talk here today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow live in Orlando. Orlando, Florida at the 2023 Commodity Classic. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.